Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and I'm talking today with Amy Ward Brimmer, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in Newtown, Philadelphia, near Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And um, in this uh, this podcast, uh, Amy is actually going to interview me. So I'm going to turn this over to you, Amy. Thanks, Robert. This is fun. I get to ask you about some uh, interesting things. So, And the first thing I'd uh, like to ask you is if you could tell us um, very briefly what is the Alexander Technique? Well, I think it's a way to feel better and move in a more relaxed and comfortable way um, by releasing harmful habits that you've acquired over over your lifetime. How's okay. that? <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely been my experience. I yeah, feel better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, and I actually was really interested in um, a couple of blog posts that you've put out, most recently one that... You at where you asked the question was God the first Alexander Technique teacher a provocative um, title for <laughs> very sure. and yeah. got got tongues mm-hmm. wagging so yeah. um, so what is that question to you and you actually do talk about some examples that you've noticed in the Bible that you think are are a parallel or kind of useful to some of the ideas in Alexander techniques. So, so is God the first Alexander teacher? Well, who who knows really? Um, he was probably the first he. And I'm going to use the word he, but we all know it's he, she, right? Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. I, it's just it's <laughs> just a point of reference. It's a point of reference. Yeah, and most of these examples are from the Old Testament, where where God definitely was a he. Seems pretty male uh, and, to me. Pretty, pretty male, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I was actually drawn to this topic by something I read a long time ago by Marjorie Barlow, who was Alexander F.M. Alexander's niece, and uh, Alexander, a very well-known Alexander technique teacher in her own life, in her own uh, right in England. Uh, I think she died about three or four years ago, mm-hmm. and she mentioned in, that um, this that after the golden calf uh, incident in the Old Testament, um, uh, God says to Moses, and I'm going to qu- quote him here: "I see this is a stiff-necked people. Uh, now let me be that my anger may blaze forth against them, uh, and that I may destroy them," which is pretty heavy really but mm. the question that that she points out is this idea of stiff-necked uh dovetails quite nicely with um a, a big emphasis in alexander technique teacher teaching which is uh, about the state of our students necks and um we tend to encourage students not to stiffen their necks not to tense their necks because um, from our point of view, uh, our, our necks, our head-neck-torso relationship, really, is pretty key to our overall functioning. Yeah. Uh, putting it another way, if, you're go- if you are interested in changing the way you use your body in, in everyday activities, if you want to change your manner of using it... Um, you need to pick uh, an, an efficient intervention point. And th- your neck is, I think most Alexander teachers would say, the key intervention point. It, that, that, that is um, 
perhaps one of the most important parts of your body that you can pay attention to and change because it has implications it, it affects everything else in your body pretty dramatically uh, Alexander even used the term primary control to uh, describe the head neck torso relationship right and so another way of saying that is no matter how free and balanced and easy you are elsewhere in your body if your neck is not free of excess tension, it does. It's, nothing else is going to be quite okay. Well, you know? it, even and, I, I would experience. say it's hard to be free and easy elsewhere in your body if your neck isn't also free. That's right. Um, I, I, it, it's um, uh, wh- how you how you uh, manage the weight of your head on top of your neck. And remember, your head weighs about ten to twelve pounds, which is pretty heavy. Uh, affects everything in your body pretty directly, and um, so yeah, I, th- I I think most Alexander teachers when they when they have a new student, one of the first things they address is the state of the student's neck and how they the student might change it. Um, and so there's this reference to a stiff-necked people in this you know, famous incident where mm-hmm. Moses led everybody into freedom, mm-hmm. right? out of slavery, out of bondage, into freedom, mm-hmm. and goes away for a little while to get some more instructions from God. And during the time he's away, they completely fall back into bad habit mm-hmm. and and displease God. And God says, I see there are stiff-necked people, and I will destroy them if they don't clean up their act. So are there other incidences in the Bible? I mean, do we find other references to... Tight necks. Oh, absolutely. The 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 phrase "stiff necked" um, appears, uh, depending on what reference you use, anywhere of nineteen or twenty times in the Bible, mostly in the Old Testament, but also in the, in the New Testament. And uh, not only that, but um, the connection between uh, stiff necked and overall functioning is also addressed by God in uh, Micah, Micah 2, verse 3, and I'll quote quote God again, I am planning such a misfortune against this clan that you will not be able to free your necks from it. You will not be able to walk erect. So he's basically, Whoa. yeah, <laughs> said, and, and, you know, like and that Alexander. sure sounds, that sounds like God maybe is an Alexander technique teacher, <laughs> because he's making a very explicit connection between how you function in, in an overall way, how you walk in this case, um, and, the, and the state of, of your neck. And again, that that fits in perfectly with uh, Alexander technique ideas about the neck. So yeah, the phrase appears a lot. Um, God does not tell the people that they're stiff-kneed people or stiff-ankled people or stiff-armed people. He he goes right to the neck as as his focus, and I, I don't think that's an accident. Um, and I think. Essentially, what F. Matthias Alexander, who was the guy who developed the Alexander Technique 120 or so years ago, I think basically he kind of rediscovered the importance of our necks in the context 
in the context of working out a, a voice problem that he had and ran with that and out of that came the Alexander technique which of course is more than just about our necks but again the state of our necks is pretty key in Alexander technique teaching so I think Alexander was the mortal who who worked out how um, you individually at least could um, not be a stiff neck person <laughs> um, and I'm just really, I mean, I'm so interested in this passage in Micah that you just read because it describes physiologically what happens when you have a stiff neck, you can't stand erect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also metaphorical in a sense about a stiff neck people is a, is a stubborn, someone who's stiff necked is stubborn and resistant. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if you could um, explore a little bit the what the sort of mental emotional um, component or philosophical component of it is when someone is resistant or stiff-necked. Um, mm-hmm. How does stif- stiffening <clears throat> your neck um, affect other aspects of your life? Right. Why might that be important to God right. that we not be in that state? Right. Well, just before I do that, just one more quote from uh, from God. This is from Jeremiah, verse 26, uh, quote, they stiffened their necks, comma, they acted worse than their fathers. Ooh. So he's, he seems to be suggesting there that stiffening your neck leads to all kinds of uh, negative uh, aspects of your, of your functioning. So yeah, why is it? What, what, is it, what does stiffening your neck do beyond um, affecting your physical functioning? So you know, we've talked about that a little bit. Um, I think I think one way to answer that is to look around at people you know who seem to have stiff necks and ask yourself, are these people typically uh, kind of stubborn, resistant to change, fixed in their ways generally? Or are they the kind of people that that are that will just go with the flow and are able to adapt easily to changing circumstances? And it's it's my observation that they do tend, as a as a rule, to be um, a bit a bit fixed in their ways. I don't know whether you've made those kind of observations or not. I have. I mean, aside from the fact that it's in our nature to resist what is in any given moment, and mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. may be our project of being here is learning not to do that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. That's a general human condition. But I do. I, you find that um, I have found that the students who have come to me with specific neck problems that aren't from whiplash or something from an accident, right, but from right. sort of chronically habitual <clears throat> patterns, right? Chronic rather than mm-hmm. acute um, mm-hmm. tend t- do tend to be the most afraid of change. And so someone who appears resistant to change or stubborn or um, or kind of, you know, just stiff-necked personality tends to be someone who, who who's afraid of little changes along the way and sort of accumulates that resistance over time mm-hmm. um, and might be intellectually interested in new ideas, but um, real um, behavioral change is sometimes more challenging. Mm-hmm. And I think um, you, you know. You, I guess you, it, it's, it would be interesting to ask what might cause somebody to habitually stiffen their neck. And of course, one obvious answer is fear. Yeah. 
Uh, yep. If you, I mean, I think we all know that if something scares us, uh, we we kind of clench ourselves, uh, squeeze ourselves, tighten ourselves in response to that. Uh, that could, I suppose, you could say that goes back to fight or flight ideas. In the jungle, the lion shows up. Who's scary? You're, you're, it may be your, the your best bet initially, is to remain absolute, is to be absolutely still. But yeah, well, but you don't want to stay fixed um, because yeah. you might want to run away or take action. And to do that effectively, you're going to need complete freedom in your body. Um, yeah, and I, I actually think the startle reflex, um, which is where you lift your shoulders, pull your head back and down, but essentially try to cover the back of your neck, is a mm-hmm. is a very strong primal reflex that definitely has a place. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, um, most Alexander teachers know that um, that the thing we are under con- a constant assault of stressors in mm-hmm. our modern mm-hmm. culture, and most people are. Um, you know, went into startle reflex years ago and have never come out. Um, and so, or we're just sort of very rarely have um, complete, relaxed, easy necks. Yeah. Um, uh, sa- we do tend to- I was going to say, sadly, you can see that in young children too sometimes. Uh, right. And that was my second yeah, thought yeah. of how, how do we get stiff necked? And I, I, you know, I would definitely look to. Um, what we do to six and seven and eight year old young children, putting them at tables and chairs and desks all day that mm-hmm. don't quite fit their bodies. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, school yeah. is definitely <laughs> a, a major, major stressor for kids. Yeah. And we could do a whole series of interviews on the, the terrors of school furniture and forcing kids to sit for eight hours or six hours a day and heavy backpacks and all the rest of it. Yes, but I was feeling my neck tight just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, but yeah, I mean, but so. I, I'm, I'm wondering if you have anything um, else to share more about the, I'm just still interested in the sort of theological implications or, or what, you know, why is it that. Um, well, I, I, this, it's not exactly a theological implication, but you know, uh, someone who has who has a pattern of stiffening their neck for many, many years, uh, there really is uh, no automatic self-correcting mechanism there. Um, typically, uh, stiffening your neck for a long time cuts off information flow to your brain from from the stiffened area, because the little the little uh, sensors in your muscles just stop sending out messages. So a lot of people with very tight necks don't actually feel tension in their necks. They may, they may notice other kinds of effects. They may notice that they tend to fall more easily, uh, that moving is, is not as easy, but um, they don't necessarily feel it. And so they don't necessarily have even the thought of taking action to change it. And you might think, well, they could just look at themselves in the mirror and see and see themselves, but um, they have become often very conditioned to to seeing themselves and not noticing that. So, mm-hmm. so there's no there's no automatic self-correcting mechanism. And I I would see, from a theological point of view, um, it does seem a bit much for God to criticize them. Since uh, presumably he, he was the guy who who set up the system in the first place, you know? <laughs> um, 
I I would almost go so far as to say that that God was really kind of angry with himself for not having thought this one through, and and he took it out on the on the people. There's definitely a case that could be made for that perspective, I think. Yeah. And, and I'm it, actually, you know, the Old Testament. Um, I know there's. You mentioned there's a couple in the New Testament. The old, the Old Testament God is a pretty angry, vengeful God a lot of the time. And you know, if that's your God, mm-hmm. and that's your concept of God, um, to, that you're sort of scared of God all the time, then that would make your neck pretty tight, I would think. So I, I it is a sort so. of self-perpetuating right. system there, isn't it? <laughs> right. And so I, I don't, I mean, who knows what God was thinking. And of course, we know God had evolved over time. Um, he changes dramatically as, as thing, he stops talking to people after a while. And there's a there's a actually an interesting book called uh, God a, a biography uh, by someone I forget the author but it's quite an interesting book and it really shows how at least in the Judeo Christian tradition um, God undergoes some pretty significant changes um, in terms of how he interacts with people and and what his nature is so i i don't know to me it's it, it just looking at it um just looking at the whole thing it seems as though he kind of he kind of had this design flaw if you like and he didn't really he he didn't figure out that maybe there would be a a nice uh teaching method that people could use to undo <laughs> that stiffness and until until the late 19th century when F. Matthias Alexander, uh, attempting to deal with a voice problem of his, came up with such a procedure, which we now know as the Alexander Technique. You know, and um, that's actually, uh, I follow the Quaker religious path, and that's what we call continuing revelation. Mm -hmm. That, uh, you know, um, we're all all continuing to evolve. And so maybe it seems like it takes 6,000 years or more Mm -hmm. uh, for somebody to figure out how to address that design flaw. But eventually, (laughs) truth will be revealed. (laughs) Right. And, And I mean, if you think about who Alexander was and what his circumstances were and where he was... Uh, he he was kind of an odd choice in a way. I mean, he he grew up in Tasmania, Australia, um, at a time in a in a society that was largely uh, composed of ex-convicts. Actually, in fact, mm-hmm. both of his parents had been deported to Australia to Tasmania uh, from from Great Britain. He grew up in very humble circumstances. He didn't have much in the way of formal education, although I think he had a, a pretty good a tutor that helped him. Certainly, he, he was well versed in Shakespeare, and he was he did work as a as a reciter. He 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 would get up in front of large audiences and recite poetry or the Bible or this and that. So he, um, but. Um, and in fact, it was that reciting that some of the the issues, uh, the voice issues that came up with that reciting that uh, led him to investigate himself using mirrors and that led him to discover that in fact uh, he was tensing his neck when he was uh, when he was reciting and then led him to figure out how to how to change that, which was no small task. So I guess you could argue that Alexander m- maybe 
God figured out how to do it, and, uh, and and Alexander was his chosen agent. I don't think Alexander himself would have had much uh, uh, sympathy with that view, but that's certainly Probably a way not. of looking at it, you know. Well, I mean, he he did call this ability to to recognize our interferences and um, what's built right into us um, to access that um, our supreme inheritance. Man's supreme inheritance, <laughs> the title of his first book. Yes. So uh-huh. so you know that so he did discover um, maybe the underlying you know what what's called God in the Bible that underlying mm-hmm. thing that we all possess. Mm-hmm. And uh, his brilliance, among many brilliances of his, was to um, find a way to almost get back to the the basis of what we started with. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I I think um, you know there's a there's a time for stiff necked stubbornness. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, doing some of the work that I do, it's it's good to hold your ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as you said it's um it's usually a sign of fear and resistance and mm-hmm. uh that's that's something that the alexander technique has a, some pretty good tools to help us unhook from yeah and 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 i think maybe fitting into that is that alexander I mean, he's certainly uh his choice of titles uh in his books he, he saw he saw his work as being part of a much bigger project really and he he was very clear that he was kind of at the very beginning stages of understanding uh, how we function physically and how we can change it. He he says things like, "Well, I, I hope someday that my work will be seen as a as a signpost pointing in a direction of investigation." He's very clear about that. That he mm-hmm. in no way did he ever have an idea that he had come up with the final answer to these these issues. He came he did come up with a pretty effective teaching technique that is uh used by people today, but over but since he died fifty fifty seven years ago, there have been a lot of changes in Alexander teaching, a lot of improvements, I would say, in general. Mm-hmm. And I think that was if if you want to look at this theologically or look at it from God's point of view, maybe God's, you know, said, okay, uh, Alexander's my guy. I'm going to get him going on this and he's going to start things and he's going to write some books and train some teachers and let's see how it goes. <laughs> right. And I think, you know, and here we are, you know, 120 years later both of us teachers of of the Alexander technique. Yes, and and I think he was wise to know that the the implications were huge and that there was no way to know how it was going to continue to flourish. Yeah. Um, I think Alexander uh, he's sometimes accused of being a, a little too grandiose in his claims about what the technique could do. And I think and maybe in some ways he was because I think he was he was just scratching the surface of this immense field of self-investigation, and I think he 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 was kind of working in the dark, really. You know, he had to invent a vocabulary to describe what he was up, what he was doing. He had to figure out words to explain to people what this technique was all about. That. Um, where there wasn't really a good language for doing it, 
So, you know, I think he may be overreached occasionally, but I think I think he did have a clear idea that this was much bigger than him. Um, like as is God, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Pretty bigger than all of us or all of us put together. Yeah. Um, so we are coming to the end of our, our time, and I'm just wondering if there's any any other insight you'd like to add or anything you'd like to to share in conclusion about um, how to avoid being a stiff-necked people or... <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I, I think of that. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think the main takeaway would be that most people think of the Alexander technique as a way to improve the way you function physically. So the, the um, people with back pain, uh, performers of all kinds uh, use it a lot. It's best known for those sorts of things. And most people who come for Alexander lessons come either because they're performers who want to perform more effectively, dancers, singers, musicians, so on, or they're in pain and someone has told them that, you know, their pain may be related to the way they're misusing their bodies. And that's that's great, but there is a whole other set of reasons why someone might be interested in studying this work uh, based on the kind of things we've just been talking about, that if you're if you're tensing yourself unnecessarily, and particularly if you're tensing your neck, which is almost certainly going to carry over into the rest of your body, that rele- learning how to release that tension can produce all kinds of uh, unexpected benefits. I mean, it's very common for people who come for lessons, say, because they're in pain, to to start noticing all sorts of things that they hadn't previous hadn't occurred to them that the Alexander technique would help with. That that's was a, certainly, that's a totally, certainly my experience. Yeah, that's a <laughs> well, that's a very very common experience. You hear that yeah. all the time from from students of, of the technique. So I I would suggest to anyone listening to this who is is versed in the Bible at all and takes these passages seriously that maybe they would want to at least have uh, a couple of lessons with an Alexander Technique teacher, see a little bit what it's about, maybe do some reading about it. And, uh, and, and I think for most people, if you have two or three lessons, you'll have a, you'll have a fairly good idea whether this is going to help you or not. So that would be my takeaway message. Check it out, even if you're not in physical pain, even if you're not interested in how, um, let's say, how you move uh, or how you do things, uh, things like walking or if you're an actor or acting, that sort of thing. If, if, you, if, if you don't have those sort of standard reasons, you might still want to investigate the Alexander Technique. Um, and that's how I came to it. I was just curious. I'd been hearing about it, and I was just curious, and I tried it. And, uh, it, well, in my case, it really did change my life. But um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So mm-hmm. I agreed, you know, uh, see, find an Alexander Technique teacher near you, and um, uh, Robert will leave all kinds of resources connected to this, and um, give it a try. See what happens. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you, Robert. It was, it's been a pleasure listening to this. Ha, <laughs>